We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part at work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. So should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hi, everyone. This is Kelsey Jones, executive editor of Search Engine Journal. And today I'm here for a new episode of Marketing Nerds with Debbie Miller, who is the former social media manager for SCJ, and she's also the founder of Social Hospitality. Hi, Deb. Hi, Kelsey. So today I wanted to talk about live tweeting because I feel like it's kind of an art in and of itself. So um, I just kind of first wanted to give our backgrounds on live tweeting, and so I thought it'd be interesting to kind of hear how you started live tweeting. Was it just something that, you know, you started doing because everyone else was, or, you know, were you doing it for clients for them to get more exposure? Yeah, I think when I first started live tweeting, it was a couple years ago when I was just attending events as an attendee. So I would just live tweet myself and share, you know, what was going on at the different events, takeaways from speakers and things like that. And then as I started working with different brands that were hosting events or kind of being involved with those different um, different brands on the hosting side, I was able to post on behalf of the brands as well. So it was kind of fun being able to cross over the the stuff I was doing kind of for fun before and take it to uh, the next level. Yeah, that's kind of my same background. I, I definitely started live tweeting to get exposure for myself. So I think it helped me, especially when you're using the hashtag for that event. It helps you kind of get more visibility on that hashtag. And so live tweeting was kind of a good way for me to increase, not only increase my followers, but also to meet people, um, you know, who have similar interests. Like I would end up having a conversation with someone based on what I live tweeted and, you know, maybe we would meet up or it'd just be a good way to kind of get to know people that were at the same events you are. Yeah, definitely. And I know one thing we've been doing for the SEJ summits is um, our our team on our side will create click-to-tweet tweets for both attendees and speakers. So we can send those out to them and give them kind of pre-populated content to share beforehand. So that way, if they don't necessarily have time to be tweeting, connecting with people beforehand manually, we give them some tools and resources to make it really easy for them to just click a button, send out a tweet, and then hopefully that will encourage them to start monitoring the feed and see who else is talking about the events and who else is going to be going and things like that. Yeah, exactly. And you bring up a good point that, you know, live tweeting events is really, it really starts before the event. So, you know, um, doing those pre-populated tweets, like you said, you know, saying something like, I'm going to be at, you know, hashtag SCJ Summit, who else is going to be there? Or, you know, I'm speaking at SCJ Summit, Um, there's still some tickets available, you know, if you want to go, here's the link. It's really, you know, based on your involvement for the event, there are ways to live tweet before the actual event. Yeah, definitely. And one thing also on that note as well that another event that I attended earlier this year, the Social Tools Summit, one thing the organizers of that event did is that they requested different articles from the speakers and panelists that were involved in the event. And then they also tweeted those out from the event accounts and their accounts prior to the event as well. So it kind of showed the speakers, you know, immersion in their fields and in social media. It helped support everyone. And then it also helped build 
a lot of buzz and, and conversation around the event and the topics that were going to be discussed based on the content that the speakers were already producing online. So that was another great way to kind of boost up the momentum prior to the event itself. Yeah, that's something we did with SCJ Summit too, is we have interviews published with the speakers and I make sure to put the SCJ Summit hashtag in the title of the post to kind of drive up that continuous, you know, unique hashtag um, activity as well. So that's a really good idea. And even if you aren't a speaker at an event, you can still create content surrounding the event. So um, we had a writer for SCJ and before South by Southwest Interactive, she submitted an article to SCJ about, um, you know, the top, I, I can't remember the exact title, but it was something like the top um, most interesting women speakers at S, uh, S South by Southwest Interactive that you should go see or whatever. I mean, the title is obviously shorter than that mouthful, but it was basically, she wasn't a speaker, but she was writing content about the event. And then when we published that article, we used um, the, the South by Southwest hashtag. And so that was another good way to drive buzz, even though she wasn't an actual speaker at South by Southwest. Yeah, that's awesome. And another good thing, too, after the event is to do recaps. I do that a lot with my own blog, and then sometimes people at SEJ will do that if they're attending on behalf of SEJ. So for my own blog, I'll do recaps. So I'll do photos I took and then um, just my takeaways from the sessions, and I make sure to publish it pretty close to the event because I found that um, if you're not using, like SEJ Summit's using the same hashtag all year long, but... Some events, you know, it's just once a year. So you want to get that content um, published around the event um, as best you can. Yeah, definitely. And another thing that's really cool now is that if you live tweet during events, that can kind of serve as a roadmap for what you're going to write about in your recap. So I know I, I'll oh, go yeah. back. I'll go back and I'll look at things I tweeted to mention those takeaways in the articles as well. Or I'll even do like recap posts of events and feature a bunch of different people's tweets by embedding them in the post so that helps give them a little bit of a you know, little promotion as well and then it helps show a variety of different takeaways that different people had from their social media posts. Yeah that's a really good idea I mean now almost every big social network you can embed posts like you could embed Instagram photos that people took you could do um, YouTube if there was a YouTube if somebody recorded the actual you know conference session and put it on YouTube that'd be cool to embed I mean that brings up a good point that there's tons of rich social media content that you could add to your recap posts. Yeah, definitely. That, and it definitely makes it a lot easier on you. I know that it always helps me to use that kind of content in my posts because it kind of serves as inspiration. Yeah, for sure. So, I think, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to kind of segment over um, kind of along those lines as well for doing webinars also, but including either screenshots or photos of the speaker's presentation. So one thing we've been doing uh, for the webinar live tweets is I would take screenshots of the slides that speakers were talking about because that helps add the visual element. If people are just scrolling through Twitter, they'll see that photo in their feed. And so hopefully that will, again, kind of encourage them to click and learn more about what is being discussed on the webinar and check out the hashtag as well, as opposed to just quoting the speakers directly with words, which is also great, but having the visual elements as well can help help yeah. the post get a little bit more attention. Yeah, good idea. Um, I was going to ask you, as you were mentioning that, 
isn't it true? Because I know on Hootsuite, when I try to add a photo to a tweet in Hootsuite, it doesn't put it in the timeline. It only kind of shows a link to the photo. So when you are doing those screen grabs for webinars or, you know, whatever you're promoting, do you have to manually upload it on Twitter or is there a different tool that will automatically show it in the timeline or the newsfeed? That's an interesting question because I always use Hootsuite and for me it shows. Hmm. Okay. So I don't know, although I might have a different level of Hootsuite because um, yeah, I have like a, bus me. a business account, okay. but I'll just attach it through the little attach image feature and it'll show up. And then when it's in the timeline, from when I can see it in the Hootsuite timeline, the photo is usually there as the photo and not a link. Okay. Well, that's good to know though, because I have a free account. And so okay. I, I have businesses on there, but that's good to know if I was live tweeting for a business, um, either for their webinar or at an event, you have to make sure that you know how your photos or other you know, images are going to show up. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think with Buffer it shows up, but I, I'm like you with Buffer. I have a paid account, so. Yeah. It might and, be. And I know, like, not to turn this into a plug for Hootsuite, but I have, like, the simple business account, and it's only five ninety nine a month, which is, I mean, literally six bucks, super, super cheap. So it might be worth um, looking into if there are other features in addition to that one that that would cover but I, I didn't realize that it was a diff, different accounts might not have the same functionalities. Yeah. Definitely something we should research. So kind of, you know, since you mentioned Hootsuite, I thought it might be interesting to ask you, um, when you are live tweeting, what platforms do you use? Do you usually use Hi uh, Hootsuite? I was going to say Hootsuite. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever uh, you are live tweeting? Yeah, I like Hootsuite just because I can set up the different columns and I'll move them around based on what's going on. So um, in the SEJ account, we had the the SEJ think tank stream and the SEJ summit one. And then if, if we were doing a webinar, for example, I would move the SEJ think tank stream over to right next to our mentions and our outgoing tweets so that I could see right in my, you know, in one, one nice screen, everything that was going on. So I could monitor the feed. I could see if anyone was mentioning us, but perhaps not mentioning the, the hashtag. And I could see our tweets that were going out so that if there was like a typo or something didn't render correctly, I could quickly delete it and then repost it. So I think Hootsuite's great for that. And a tweet deck is another one that offers very similar functionality to Hootsuite as well. But I think having everything in one place with a dashboard like this is really useful in both covering live, both covering, uh, live tweeting as it's occurring as well as being able to post yourself. Yeah, I think a lot of people use Hootsuite for that, especially because of the columns that you mentioned. So you can have a column for mentions and then a column for just that search term for that event hashtag. So it makes it really easy to engage both with people that are talking to you and then just people on the hashtag in general. Yeah, exactly. One um, site that I love that's free is Tagboard. So T-A-G-B-O-A-R-D.com. And basically, it's kind of like Hootsuite in the fact that you can do a search on a specific phrase or on a hashtag, but it aggregates across several different social media platforms. So I could do hashtag, you know, SEJ Summit, and it would show me posts from Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Vine, Google+, and Flickr, I believe, is all the ones that it covers. And so 
I really like using that one because it's just at one view in my browser. I don't have to download anything, uh, which I know Hootsuite, you don't have to, but, um, and that makes it really easy to kind of engage across several different multiple, you know, several different platforms if you're monitoring them all for the brand you're representing. Yeah, for sure. Another one that I use as well, more so for reporting after, but it's also good for monitoring a hashtag during is Keyhole. And it's keyhole.co. And um, I've used their reporting for a couple of our different webinars and events. And it has great reporting and great, it gives you impressions and things like all those little details that if you're tweeting on behalf of a client, for example, they might want to see. So you can also use this during to see who are the most influential people talking right now with the hashtag and things like that. So it's another one that can kind of be similar to the one that you just mentioned as well in monitoring above and beyond what Hootsuite is providing. Is Keyhole free or is there paid accounts? It is free for, there, there is a paid account as well, but it's free for like, you can get really good information free with a basic um, search. Okay, awesome. I know too, um, you know, Facebook, depending on how active you are with live posting on Facebook, their insights are useful too. If you're posting images, it's pretty easy to um, look at that. But as far as other analytics platforms, sometimes all live tweet from Buffer, and they have an analytics um, built in, and so I'll use that. I have the business account, like I mentioned, and it is a little bit pricier than Hootsuite. It's 50 bucks a month, but you can have a lot more accounts connected, and um, I think you can get analytics on the basic account, but um, having the analytics and a lot of accounts connected has really been helpful for me. So. If I'm live tweeting and not using Hootsuite, I usually use Buffer or I'll kick it super old school and I'll just use Twitter.com. I don't know. I don't know what makes me switch between the two, you know, between all of them. I just kind of like variety. So yeah, happens. I'll sometimes use usually when I'm not actively when I'm actively tweeting, I like to use Hootsuite just because I can see everything and I can more easily respond to people and see my tweets and see what people are talking to us. But if I'm just kind of monitoring from afar a tweet chat that's happening or a certain hashtag, I'll usually go to twitter.com and look at it just because then the feed is larger. I think that's a little more convenient. It refreshes more often. And I think it just, if you're kind of just in a Twitter chat or monitoring a hashtag as a spectator, twitter.com can be a nice view to kind of have it more in your face, bigger, refreshing more often and things like that. But if you're actually engaging with the hashtag, then I find those dashboards that after those, offer those different columns tend to be a little bit more conducive to that. Yeah, and it's not the case anymore, but on Twitter.com on the desktop site, whenever you would click the retweet button, it would just retweet it. It wouldn't let you add a comment. And so I hated right. it. I hated that because sometimes I'll want to retweet th something but have a comment, especially if I'm live tweeting. Like I'll say, yeah, I loved that part in the presentation. Or if you liked that speaker, you would love the one I just went to, you know, et cetera. And yeah, so exactly. I think now you can do that on Twitter.com, but before you couldn't. So I would always use either the Twitter app on my phone or I would use Hootsuite because that would let you um, add a quote or whatever, a comment to the retweet before you sent it. Yeah, and I think there's a setting in Twitter.com, too, where you can go in and change your settings for retweets, because I'm the same. I don't like that automatic retweet where you can't make any edits to the comment. But there is a setting in Twitter settings that allows you to revert back to the old school retweets. I think they call it something like that, revert to old retweet style or something like oh. that. 
and you can click that to have that be the default. So that's what I did um, a while back, just because I'm, and I'm also a stickler for consistency. So I don't like it when like when you retweet as someone else and then it shows on your stream as someone else and then it doesn't look consistent. So that, that bugged me as well. So I like having like the manual retweet where you can customize it the way that you want and then everything looks nice and consistent yeah, on your own too. too. Um, you know, I just mentioned the Twitter app. So that made me kind of think of, do you, when you are live tweeting or covering an event, do you use just your computer or do you use your phone a lot and what apps do you use on your phone? I primarily use my phone and it's it's honestly the same app. So it would be, I use the Hootsuite app a lot. I use Buffer as well for queuing up tweets. I don't use Buffer as much for live tweeting, but I do use Buffer um, similar to what you mentioned before for all their different features. Um, and then I use Instagram, obviously, Facebook. But there aren't any specific, I'm trying to think if there's any specific like mobile-only apps. The only one I can think of that's on mobile that I don't use on desktop is one called Diptych, which is a photo editing um, tool, so or a collage tool. So you can also, if you have multiple photos, you can make a little collage. And I know there's a bunch of different options that do this as well, but it allows you to customize photos a little bit before putting them on Instagram. Or if you have a bunch of photos that you want to make into kind of one little collage, you can easily do that and then upload it straight to Instagram that way. So that's the only one I can think of that's like mobile only. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I use, um, sometimes for events, I'll use PicStitch. And so it's just like what you said. It's just a app that lets you create collages of several different images, which is really cool for events. Like um, when I spoke at our London SCJ Summit in May, I had a couple people take photos of me and put it on Twitter while I was speaking because they were live tweeting. And so I took those and I created a little collage and then put that on Instagram. Like here's some snaps of me speaking um, that people took of me on Twitter and so it was kind of cool to just showcase a little taste of you know me presenting and I guess it's kind of a little bit of a you know look at what I did but <laughs> it's just cool to, <laughs> to remember you know that because I'm definitely public speaking is definitely not my favorite thing to do in the world but it's something that I'm striving to get better at so it's cool to kind of see that in a visual format while, while still kind of covering the event because I use the hashtag. Yeah, definitely. I think it's cool to have those pictures from other people because it kind of gives it a, a more authentic perspective than if it's just, oh, here's all the professional photos of me speaking that look really staged or touched up or whatever the case mm -hmm. might be, even though those photos are awesome too. But having kind of those authentic, you know, spur of the moment, spontaneous, candid photos, are, that's probably really awesome and something that you can cherish both because they look so real and so in the moment and they allow you to kind of not promote without promoting, but kind of just share other people's photos rather than saying, here's all the awesome photos of me taken by a photographer. So I think it adds a layer, <laughs> a layer of, of realism, a realism to, to what you're sharing. Yeah, that's true. Another really good photo app. I just remembered that I use sometimes it's called no crop. So sometimes I'll take a cool photo at an event that's vertical and so um, if I want to post it on Instagram, I don't want to, or it's horizontal, so I don't want to cut anybody off. If it's like a really cool like group selfie or um, something like that, and so I'll use no crop. And so basically it adds um, kind of a background to the sides of your photo, either the sides or the top and bottom, depending on um, how it's aligned. And so you can customize the background. You can make it just a plain color or you can make it like a cool pattern. The patterns are a little um, cheesy. Like I think there's like pastel flowers or like hearts, but um, <laughs> it's a cool way to quickly 
make your photo a square format if you're going to post it on Instagram. Oh, nice. So, um, okay, so I think we kind of have reached the end of our time, but one thing I wanted to ask you about, if you've had a chance to use yet, which I know is going to just become a more and more commonplace way to cover events through social media, is live streaming. So using Periscope, which is owned by Twitter, or Meerkat, to live stream events. Have you done that yet? And what are your thoughts on live streaming events? Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity. I did, I want to say it was Social Media Marketing World. It was one of the events that right after one of the apps came out and I played around with it a little bit. Um, so far, I think it's I think it's really fascinating. I've only done it a couple times and I only had a handful of viewers on. I haven't gone on myself on uh, Meerkat or Periscope to watch videos, but I do see them pop up in my Twitter stream, and when when they do, I will watch them. So I, th I think it's an interesting, you know, kind of game changer, and I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, I think it's definitely a good opportunity in the sense that you can live stream something and then also have the option to save it and repost it. So that could create win-win mm -hmm. scenarios if you download it and then upload it to Facebook Native Video later which can be beneficial since native videos on Facebook are getting the highest organic reach right now. So I think there's a lot of benefits that can kind of play into the multi-channel strategy that you can use the live streaming apps for. Yeah, I, I'm like you. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where that goes. Um, one thing, you know, as event organizers at SCJ, you know, it's, it is a little concerning that we want our content shared, but our events specifically are kind of invite only, so it's a little more exclusive. So I would say if you do go to an event that's a little more exclusive, it's not a big conference like um, South by Southwest Interactive, uh, you want to make sure that you have their permission to be live streaming events. Um, and even South by South Interactive, I mean, they can't control everyone, but I know that they're really strict about photos. Um, when me and Debbie went, to the one this year, we had to have our cameras tagged, and you had to have a press pass to take photos and publish them. So I'm gonna, I'm really interested to see how that's gonna play out. Um, I know events can't control, you know, who's sharing photos where, and they probably don't. You probably don't want to, you know, but but taking photos of or even Vine videos that are six seconds of something is a lot different than recording or live streaming the entire thing. Yeah, for sure. I think I think it's a catch-22 for events because I get on the one hand that they don't want people live streaming and giving away the content for free basically when they want people to come buy a pass to attend. So I get mm -hmm. that. But at the same time, it's almost like free advertising for the event to have people streaming it and showing what's there and why you should maybe come next year. So it kind of it can go both ways. So it just depends how how they perceive it and how much how much money they perceive that they're missing out on by people sharing the content for free versus paying for a pass to attend. Yeah, I agree. And I think <clears throat> live streaming is really, really popular among early adopters in the social media and blogging space right now. I was at um, the Ford Trends event last uh, week in San Francisco, which I know we're going to publish this a couple weeks from now, but it was in the, end, the last week of June. And so um, for that, it was an exclusive group of bloggers. You had to be invited and influencers. Um, they either run, you know, automotive or lifestyle blogs or are in the digital space. And so one day we had, it was kind of a conference, so we had speakers come in and the co-founder of Reddit, Alexis O'Hanahan, I hope that's how you pronounce his last name, he 
came up, and I think it was him, and he said, um, who is live streaming this on Periscope or Meerkat right now? And there was probably 200 people in the room, and I would say, surprisingly, like seriously, 10 or 12 people raised their hand. And oh, wow. Yeah, and I was surprised that it was that many. And so um, one blogger, she raised her hand, and she was you. she had her phone up, so you knew that she was live streaming, and she went up to the mic to ask a question and that was all live. And I thought that that was kind of cool because you kind of saw it from her perspective, you know, her going up to the mic and asking the question. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and later in the day, we had uh, Ford does a cool job of giving demos um, with their tech and everything. And um, they took us to this test car where they put some car parts are in um, our lighter material and then heavier or whatever so anyway this girl was live streaming all of it and she went up and was like experimenting with the parts and I thought that was really interesting um a cool way to live to use live streaming when you're um going through the experience of an event versus just sitting in a seat and listening to someone talk and so I think the way that we cover events through live streaming on Meerkat or Periscope or whatever else I think that it's going to kind of continue to evolve and I'm excited to see where it goes yeah, definitely. Same here. So, um, Debbie, thank you so much for joining me. Um, now it's my dog's turn to bark. My pleasure. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Marketing Nerds. I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> and again, this is Kelsey Jones, executive editor of SCJ, and Debbie Miller, founder at Social Hospitality. Thank you. Bye, thanks. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.